This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Okay, well, joining me uh, today for today's uh, pre-season uh, preview is uh, Chris Honor. Chris, uh, occasional pundit on the city on uh, Radio Bristol, but obviously known to all of us as a player in the late 80s uh, and early 90s. Uh, Chris, before we talk about the season, like I did with uh, Phil Tottle the other day, uh, the tragic news over the weekend that uh, Terry Cooper had uh, passed away at a relatively young age, I think of 77, I think it was, uh, Terry meant a lot to you in your early career. Give us your memories of uh, Terry and what you recall of uh, of him in your time at Ashton Gate. Yeah, he was brilliant with me. Um, he, he was obviously my first manager. He, he kind of recognised something in me from a, a young kid, 14, 15. Um, I stayed quite, you know, I stayed in touch with the family after I left Ashton Gate. I, I was friends with Mark, his son, and when Mark was manager up at Forest Green, I... I deliberately caught up with Terry when he was over from Tenerife to actually sort of discuss those and reminisce about those years at Ashton Gate. Um, Terry was just the right man for the right at the right time at Ashton Gate. He was um, he came in, the club was on its knees. He he brought a smile to the place. It was in a, a terrible state, and um, he brought this family feeling. And I was I was I was part of that, and he gave me my first opportunity in the first team, but he was just one of the nicest men. I mean, I, he became a hero of mine in a sense that, or a father figure to many of us from Andy Llewellyn to um, Lee Rogers to all the young lads. We used to, when you couldn't do it nowadays, partly because the club's been modernised, but we used to sit in this massive, giant, old-fashioned baths and Terry used to tell us, you know, romantic stories about Johnny Giles and Billy Bremner and Don Revy. And every single apprentice used to hang on every single word of his. And uh, he was a really, really nice guy. I mean, I, I lived in Nelsey at the time and it was very often he'd drive past me on the bus stop um, and he'd see a, a young 16-year-old kid waiting for his bus and he used to live in Flaxport and he'd take me all the way home to Nelsey. So he was he was a lovely man. I remember clearing snow off the pitch with him, you know, before games. You know, how many managers nowadays would you get 
clearing snow off the pitch before a game. He was just a, a lovely guy. Um, and I, you know, even he, 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 had, he, had a, he had a rod of steel in him as well. Steel in him as well. He was a tough guy. I mean, he, he didn't suffer fools gladly, but if you towed the line and you believed in him, he'd certainly believed in you. And um, he was a really nice guy. And I was really sad. And uh, I sent a, a text message to Mark yesterday and um, he did reply. And I just hope the family are, are going to get over this tough, these tough times. Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah. and, and uh, I said, a lovely guy, as everybody's said so many positive uh, things about him. What was the best advice he ever gave you as a pro? Oh, my gosh. He gave me so much. Um, I, I don't know. He, he used to have little quiet digs at me. Um, he used to call me a little soft southerner. Um, and that was his little bit of banter with me. He used to walk along the corridor some days and um, it, it's almost pretend there was an imaginary ball between us. And it, it, it shoulder charged me like a father would, not a manager. And it pushed me into the wall and he says, you've got to toughen up, son. If you want to join the fullbacks union, you've got to toughen up. It's a tough game. I don't want you going up, up north and being bullied. And, and that was his attitude. He, he, he did it in a lovely way. Um, but he got his, he always got his message across, and uh, yeah, he's you know sadly missed. And um, as I said, I was very very lucky to catch up with him. I put Forest Green a couple of years ago, and I thanked him for everything that he'd done for me. Um, I'm glad I did it. I knew he was he was getting ill, and he'd had some issues. Um, and he just turned around and very honestly said, "I didn't do any of the hard work. I just showed you the path, and you took it. And uh, it was all down to you." Uh, great words, great, great words, great words from a great words from a great man. Well, yeah. let's look forward now. Big kickoff, twenty one, twenty two. Will you be at Ashton Gate, or are you out in Spain at the moment uh, on a bit of business and holiday sort of thing? Yeah, will you be there, or you, are you a, an occasional visitor? I know you follow them intently, but uh, what, what's your? Uh, I'll be there. In I'll be there in spirit this weekend. Um, I'm going to try to find a bar. Um, if I can get it on Robin's TV, I will. I don't know whether it, it comes across to Spain. Um, I've got a little bar around the corner where I sit and watch all the, the championship games. It's a kind of tradition now. I sit there in front, front of this bar with a sea in the background. The TV's all banked up on the wall. Um, and I watch all the results coming through. And I... Uh, I'm looking forward to the start of the season. It's a little bit like last year. We've got a team that's just come up from uh, the lower league, um, Coventry last year, Blackpool this year. They'll be on a crest of a wave and it will not be an easy game, um, as Coventry proved last year, where I thought they outplayed us and we nicked a 2-1 win. Um, so, yeah, we've got it all up. You know, we've got it against us. Um, sometimes you want these uh, these teams that come up from a lower league to... a met a few teams previously so they know what the level is maybe taking the wind out of their cells but they'll come to Ashton Gate full of uh, uh, optimism and hopefully not too much because Bristol City will be able to have to put them in their place and try to get well we, we, we hope we hope so let's look back on as I say we've had you know 16 months it's 500 and some odd days between my last trip to Ashton Gate and the most recent one which was against uh, Villa and as I say, we don't want to dwell on last season. It's best we're gone. Nigel had a third of a season almost to run in. It didn't go fantastically well. There was a lot of sorting out to be done. And a lot of people say that probably the key signing that he made was uh, Dave Rennie, not to be confused with balding midfielder that was a teammate of yours in the uh, promotion yeah. year. But uh, 
you know, a lot of talk that nothing officially said that things were wrong behind the scenes in the physical conditioning of players. And as an ex-pro, seeing it from afar, if not involved, you know, was that was that true? Did you detect that? And there seems to have been a clear out behind the scenes, hasn't there? Well, there's two, there's two ways of thinking, isn't there? Either Bristol City were extremely unlucky with the injuries they got, or there was something going on wrong. And, you know, you can't keep harping on about, <clears throat> this was, it's unfortunate, it's bad luck. We had Joe Williams play one game. We had Liam Walsh play next to none. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. I think there was 13 to 15 players out at one stage. Is that coincidence? Is that bad luck? Is it bad management? Only, only someone in the club will know. Um, I think some of it is probably a little bit of both. But uh, I think the, the honeymoon period is definitely over for Pearson. I mean, it wasn't, you know, he came in, he said he'd the shit, he kept us up, which a lot of us were worried about. We, we saw the writing on the wall. Um, and I thought that the club were in dire straits at the time. We were just going in one direction. Um, so, he's, you know, he saved, our, uh, he saved our skins in the league. But now it's a it's a, a big building program, um, and as I said, the honeymoon is over for him. He's got he hasn't been able to bring that many players in. Yeah. Um, what the squad looks very similar to as it was last year. Yeah, it's interesting you say that about what it looks like because that lineup in the first half against Villa up front. Okay, a lot of them were out with injuries, but the front I'll call it the front four: Vyman, Palmer, O'Dowder, and Martin. You know, it it very much is what it is. It's almost like the start of last season, wasn't it? I think, you know, that which, and as you sort of alluded to, we won those first four games at the last start of last season, but other than Stoke away, we weren't dominant. You know, we didn't look like a side that was going places, did we? The, the ball goes forward quite regularly. Obviously, we try to get the ball forward eventually. We, 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 with Lee, we, we played this patient passing game. We, we picked and choose at the time. We looked quite in possession. Then we went to, obviously, Holden, and he tried to get the ball forward a little bit more quicker. Um, and then we just seemed to lose our pattern. We, we've obviously lost um, uh, a few players. We, you know, we haven't, you know, I, I go back to Eliasson. We've lost him and his crosses, so the balls aren't the, the delivery in the box is poorer. We haven't got any real pace um, going down the flanks. Our fullbacks don't get forward. I think that's the biggest issue. Sometimes, you know, we all just survived the summer of watching England play, and you know whether you, you know, you think we did well or not. I thought that our best attributes in that England team were, were attacking, and I think me Gareth Southgate got it wrong by by maybe sitting back and being too too conservative when we had yeah. some of the most attractive forwards on in the tournament. Um, now I, I don't I don't look at Bristol City squad and see that many attacking options. So he's obviously going to sort us out as a very, very tight bank of eight, maybe, or maybe I don't know how he's going to play it. But we've got Vyman coming back from an ACL injury. You've got Martin who's been out for six months. I mean, we're relying on some old heads to give us not yeah. just experience, but goals that are going to win games. And I don't know whether we've, we've quite got it. And as you said from that interview from, from Pearson on the, on the radio, um, he, he probably, he's probably admitted he hasn't got money to bring in a 20-goal 20, 20 striker. So it's going to be very interesting what kind of team we're going to start the first exactly. game this season. I mean, you look at who we've bought. We've been out, and probably one of the biggest signings from a fee from a non-parachute payment club 
uh, for, for an on-parachute paper club was Rob Atkinson signing from Oxford for 1.6 million. That's a lot of money, and he's seen as the next Adam Webster. Yet there's no certainty that the player that has actually cost them a fee is going to line up on the opening day, is it? Because all the sensible people would say, do you play Thomas Callas alongside the rejuvenated and uh, fit now? Um, Bacon Baker. What's his name? Uh, Baker. Uh, Baker. Yeah. I nearly called him Adam Baker. Then. That's yes. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan well, Baker. Well, I, well, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for, for Baker. Um, many, many fans criticise him because he, he's constantly injured, but he wears his heart on the sleeve. Um, and with his effort and his determination, he lifts those around him. You know, it's not just what he puts into the game. It's it's the effort level and he expects the same from the people around him and that's that that gets five or ten percent from the players around you which yeah. is 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 unmeasurable um in, in a team game so i've always got a soft spot for him um i haven't seen obviously this new this new lad play atkinson um he's a young lad um he, he's pulling up trees at oxford we paid a big fee for him in relevant terms um Callas has looked really good in the European Championships. If I don't know, I don't know what 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 the strategy is at the back, but we'll soon find out. Come Saturday, um, it's nice to have a problem like that because elsewhere on the pitch, I think there's more concerns. Well, I think we got. I think, as you say, I think we got problems. It is in that final third, which has been City's problem for dare I say it, three and a half years. But let's look at the let's look at the the formation of the, the team, and we'll pick individual players that have come in as well. I mean, there's no doubt about it that Dan Bentley is a number one choice goalkeeper, but he's also a club's saleable asset. There's been rumours of, um, you know, Southampton and a few other clubs maybe sniffing around. I mean, assuming Bentley's here, but if he wasn't, Max O'Leary, he, he's not let the club down when he's played, has he? Is he good enough to be a number one? Well, I mean, I don't know if you know, David, I, I, I went back to the club when my kids were very young and started coaching the academy and, and Max O'Leary was an outfield player at the time um, and his dad was and his dad was playing with the idea of whether he should be a centre-half or a goalkeeper and I had a, a, a lovely lad working alongside me at the club and who's still there and he said the guy's only going to be a, a, a the guy's only going to be a goalkeeper he's not good enough to be a centre-half and, and that's how it's how it's played out and, and Max is not let anyone down you can only you can only be as good as the opportunities you, you have. And I don't think he's had enough of them. Um, he's only been bought in for cup games and the like. And when he has done, when he has come in, he's done well. I mean, I think he played at Sheffield United last year and never yeah. let us down. It's, it's funny enough, you know, talking about him being a centre-half, some, 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 sometimes his, his distribution has been quite poor, which surprises me considering he was a centre-half. But, you know, um, he, he, he has to mature at some stage. Goalkeepers take a little bit more time. Maybe he needs a little bit of confidence and, and his step up to the mark. But um, Dan Bentley, I think if he was maybe two or three inches taller, he'd play in the Premier Division, but he, he's not that confident coming for crosses. Uh, and I think that's what holds him back. And I think yeah. the first thing that Premier League clubs look for is, is, is someone's stature. And I don't think he's over. He's not got that. Well, while he's here, while he's here, he's our number one. Now, again, big bone of contention. Oh, with, with City, do you play... A three-five-two, whatever that is, but do you play the three central defenders, or do you do a flat four-four-two or four-two-three-one? But I mean, if you look at the players they've got, I'll ask you a couple of quick questions here. I mean, 
Zach Viner appears to be competing with Danny Simpson for the right-back spot. And I thought Viner played well against Villa. Um, but if you're going to go for a flat, if you're going to go for a three, then you've got Callas, Baker and Atkinson. And then if you're looking for backup there, you've got Cundy, uh, uh, Taylor Moore, um, and Viner can play in that central three as well. So looking at the players available, flat back four or three central defenders before we start talking about to silver and people like that. But what, what's your well, view? Well, I, 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 all depends on how you play. You know, if, you, if you've got enough midfielders to rotate, rotate play, the back five can work really well. Um, I, I think the big question is midfield. Uh, if, if, you, if you've got two or two mid, defensive midfield players and you can bond the two fullbacks on because that's your only way of getting forward you play a back three and you put two in front of them but I don't know how much Simpson and Viner and De Silva and whoever whoever's competing with De Silva on the left um, is going to get on um, you know we, we need to find an outlet somewhere um, yeah and I think Pearson's got to work out what way he's going to play. I mean, he sees them every single day. Um, yeah. And uh, I've been in many a dressing room and I heard the press and people chatting in pubs and, you know, on the radio and about the team that I played for. And you kind of have a little wry smile on your face because you think, God, if you'd seen so-and-so in training today, you, he wouldn't be playing for the next month, let alone in every single <laughs> game. So, you know, you know, Pearson has that luxury of seeing them every single day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, every single fan has got their own opinion. Um, and it'd be yeah. in very interesting to see how he starts on Saturday. Let's assume that he goes for a four at the back, because, again, if you looked at he played two friendlies in one day, uh, one at Exeter, one at Plymouth last week. And for my mind, I put this on the, the fans forum. There was no guarantee that the Plymouth team, which most people said was the eight, you know, the team that was going to have most of the players, there was no guarantee it was going to bring, uh, would, would, would beat the uh, the the, um, uh, the B team, the one that won four 0 at Exeter, and if you look, you know you can play, you know Simpson, Callas, Moore, and Prim. That was the Exeter team, and then Viner, Baker, Atkinson, and De Silva. There's not a great deal to choose between those two, is there? But, but David, that's been our problem for a few years now. <laughs> we haven't got an out and out first team group of players. We've no. got almost. A group of players that have all the same standard. Yeah. About a group of exceptional players with a few players that can sit in and slot in when needed. What we need is an exceptional 11, which gets us. Yeah. Ex no. The majority of the three points. We, we've, got, we've got, I mean, I look at our midfield, he, he puts the same midfield out. Well, let's come on to midfield in a second, because this is where it gets even worse there. But oh, I mean, don't, don't, don't even get me to the midfield, because it drove me mad last year, because we, it was just. I mean, we, we know we had loads of injuries. We know we had, I mean, I know you're going to mention Sengo later and you're going to, uh, you know, he hasn't hardly played a game. But it's just, I, I just look at them and I think you can almost throw throw a coat over all of them because they're, they're all of the same ability. We want some exceptional standard players like the Brown Hills, the Bobby Reeds, the, the Joe Bryans, you know, very yeah, positive players yeah. who can... Chris, you know, everything you're I'll, saying is, is it, it's, I'll say it's music to my ears. I've been saying that for ages, you know, and you can't really say it's on wages because I always used to say that we, the philosophy of the club would be to go out, instead of buying one player at 20 grand a week, 
who's a star, who's a definite starter, we go out and we buy two at 10 or three at eight. And yeah. you don't know where you are because that back four, I, I think it's going to be, and this is what my prediction was, I think it's going to be Viner, Callas, Baker and De Silva. But playing as you did on the left, De Silva, he's not there for his physicality. And does he get forward enough for you? And if you were playing against him, you'd always target his height and drop balls in behind him, which seems to happen a lot. Well, That's we, what I think. We've seen it, we saw it uh, a few games, and not obviously not last year because he didn't play many games. But you've obviously brought, brought the silver into the club, and when he came on loan, he was very eager to get forward, and we all liked it. We, we saw a little bit of Joe Bryan in him. He just wanted a bomb on. Defensively, he looked a little bit suspect. Yeah. And at the far and at the far post, he was very, very exposed. So he's got to get. What's he going to give us? He's going to give us his forward play. But for me, far too often he takes the easy option. He gets the ball and he turns back and plays a, a comfortable yeah. ball back to the centre halves. He's got to take the initiative. He's got to grow. He's got to grow up. He's seriously got to take some responsibility because he frustrates yeah. me more than anyone. Because the wide areas, I was a fullback. And if you got me the ball, I wanted to go forward. I didn't want yeah. you know, I hated the defense. Well, you remember what Darren Barnard was like. I mean, he loved to get forward, didn't he? And Mickey, and Mickey. Mickey Bell. So, I mean, even going back to my era, Martin Scott, you know, you had lads who, lads who just wanted a bomb forward. And you had to be able to do that from fullback because the spaces are there in front of you. For me, he's playing too much in the comfort zone. And, you know, someone needs to have a gentle word with him and say, listen, you were a Premier Division player a few years back. Yeah. People were talking about you as the next best thing. Now, you're, if you don't sort yourself out, you're going to be out of Ashton Gate and playing in the oh, league below. Exactly. But, and, and he's one, as you say, we talk about this coverage in every area, but realistically, he's almost nailed on as a starter because the only challenge he's got at left back or left wing back, even if you do a, even if you do a three, is, is Cameron Pring. Who's got the physicality? And I thought he did okay for the twenty minutes he was on on Saturday. Well, he was the unfortunate one they brought back from Portsmouth, and then he was doing a few weights in the gym just before his debut in M four to five. Wasn't I know. He? So, I know. That, I mean, we, we were talking about the conditioning earlier. I mean, that is just bad luck. I mean, there's no one, there's no one in the medical department who can foresee that. I mean, I can only imagine the stick he got for doing that. I mean, that's just. I mean, if that's true. I mean, that's the rumor I've heard. But if that's true, I remember one of one of my teammates, Ashton Gate, when I was a, a kid, going in there, pumped up because he was going to play his first game on a Saturday, doing exactly the same, pulling a, a hamstring or a thigh, and doing exactly the same because he was so like looking forward to his Saturday afternoon first game or first game in a period of being out in the reserves, and did exactly the same. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing Cameron Pring. I mean, I don't know anything about him. Um, I, all I've heard from Gary Hours is that he's... Gary obviously watches a lot of the academy stuff and the under-23s, so he's really promising. He's done well at Portsmouth. If he's needed, give him a go. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the only way you're going to find out about these I know. young lads. And that's he's how given, I found he's out given a go. He's given a go. But it's interesting what you say about De Silva being in a little bit of a comfort zone because, again, I 100% agree he's with what you're saying. When you look at his track he's record... He's had two he years here, he's blighted by injury, and he needs to step up to the plate and show that he was worth the two million or so quid that we paid for him. Right, let's get into the middle. Um, okay, become, this, is, become, this is going to get... This tough. is where it gets really interesting. We'd become yeah. Red Leicester, if you say it started with Danny Simpson, right? But two players that he's been out and signed, Matty James, who 
has had a dreadful injury record over recent years. And Bristol City fan, but now 30 years old, 34 years old, sorry, Andy King in the middle. That's your two anchor players. But then if you look at what else that we've got, we've got the Hungarian international Nash, who could play one of those roles. You've got Joe Williams that was signed with a purpose of saying one of those roles. You've got Tyreek Backinson, yeah? And then you throw in Masengo, 46 games, no goals, no assists, to quote one of my colleagues on the, on the podcast. And we're talking really about defensively type midfielders. What is the best combination? Well, you just named six players and I couldn't pick a combination. There's six players who are so similar in, in level, not one of them stands out. So... I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's a real trouble area. I, I hope Joe Williams steps up to the mark. I mean, there was flashes of him being um, potentially a very good player. Nisengo, for me, is still learning his trade. He struggled um, He struggled with how competitive and how physical um, the championship was. Um, but then you've got to keep reminding yourself he's only 19, 20. Yeah. Um, so he bolted up and got himself in the gym. The other two lads from Leicester, well, one's a Bristol City fan, so we're going to give him a little bit of a, a break and um, hopefully we give him a bit of patience. Um, uh, another guy is, you know, he's won, he's won, he's won a, a championship medal. I mean, a Premier Division medal. I mean, he's, you know, with all his experience, you expect him to bring something to the dressing room, if not to the pitch. Um, I think Naj won't stay. I don't think, I think he'll be surplus to requirements. I think he, he was excellent in the championship, uh, in the European championships, and he might be one that they might be able to sell unless he's, he wants to stay. Um, and Baconson, um, again, started off fantastically last year, went for a, a horrible little period where he seemed to do everything wrong and every single mistake that he made, whether it was tracking at corners or going with his runners, seemed to cause a goal and got left out and then came back a little bit shell-shocked and then came better towards the end of the season. Um, for me, he doesn't do things quick enough, um, but he can spot a pass and he looks very comfortable on the ball. But for me, he just needs to just pick up the tempo a little bit. He's too relaxed, too laid back. Um, but he's a big, big old unit and I'm sh he looks a decent athlete and needs to get around the pitch a little bit more. So you've got six lads, take your pick, take the gamble and get lucky. I think it's one of those, yeah. those very I mean, my, my two, my two for this weekend as the holders, as the holders are Matty James and Naz on the basis that Williams isn't fit and Matt Masengo he did do well under Pearson. We saw glimpses of Masengo in the last 14 games of last season. We haven't seen since the first half dozen or so games that he's played, but there's a plethora of players there. But then when we start looking on the offensive side, so we've done 4-2, the way it looks is that you've got the only player who is, if you like, a winger in the conventional sense is O'Dowda. Now, he's not in my final 11 for this weekend when we get there, and I'll explain why in a, in a moment. But this is Callum's sixth season starting at City, right? Sixth season. He's not had that breakthrough yet. And how old is he now? 25 next birthday, maybe? He's certainly, he's certainly 25 next birthday. He may even be a, a year older than that, but you know, I, I, he's, I, I, he's I, the only recognised winger now that Eliasson's gone, isn't he? 
So, so where's our attacking offensive play going to come from? So you've almost got to play him. You know, for me, yeah. for me, for me, he's a starter without. You know, where's where's the creativity going to come from if you don't if you don't play him? He's just. Um, I, I mean, again, I, I mentioned Nathan Baker earlier. I've got a terrible soft spot for for Callum. I, I sat with him actually at the Coventry game last year, the first game of the season. We sat alongside each other, and we we, we he's a lovely lad, a really nice lad. Fantastic athlete. I mean, I don't think there's many people at the club who've said when he's fully fit, there's anyone quicker, anyone who can run, who can run more. He's 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 an up and down merchant. And there was a period when I thought he was exceptional before he had that contract issue a couple of seasons mm. back, and there was all that talk of him going elsewhere. Um, but he hasn't been able to capture that form since. Um, you know, injuries. You know, he was very unfortunate about that horrible hamstring injury he got um, last year when, you know, he was playing relatively well. We were down, our numbers were really short. Um, you could tell he was tiring. I think I was covering the game for Radio Bristol at the time. And I, I, I made a little comment that I think he's tiring, he needs to come off, especially with his ham, hamstring issues. And it was like, a t- I, it was like attempted fate. Within seconds, he pulled up, hand in the air, broke down in tears and was carried off. Um, yeah. So he's, he's had no luck either. But I can't see where else we've got any creativity. You know, we're talking about a 20 goal striker. Where's our Maisie little runners? Where's our, where's our um, Mark Gavins? Where's our Scott Murray's? Where's our... Yeah, Dave you know, Smith even for that matter. Dave Smith, well, this, 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 this podcast is aimed at probably, unfortunately, people of our age group who remember that. <laughs> but, you know, the Dave Smiths, the Alan Walshes, the people that I, I played with and who I looked up to. You know, but even since then, you've had, you know, Scott Murray's, you've had, you know, flying machines who get the balls in the box and give you the odd goal. And we don't seem to have that creativity on the wide out. And Bristol City fans love a winger. They love a winger. Yeah. So, you know, it has to play. For me, it has to play. I mean, on the basis that he's in Nigel's team, which I think he is, I mean, if we flip over to the other side, you've got, um, and this is where he played on... Uh, uh, Saturday, uh, Andres Weiman. I mean, one thing Andres Weiman's got is running. He's never going to give up. Okay, he's 32 now, I think, and maybe lost a little bit of pace with the ACL, whichever way you look at it. You know, be surprised if he hadn't lost a bit. He looks lively. He's got the pace of a winger, but he played him wide right on Saturday. Um He's not a crosser of the ball in the literal sense, is he? I mean, what's your view on Andreas Weimann? Because I think he's another one that is nailed on as a starter in the manager's yeah, Andreas Weimann was brought in to replace Bobby Reid, wasn't he? That, that, yeah. was, that was about the period of, uh, of the transactions and the swap over in transfers and all that kind of movement in players. And, and for me, you can never fault him for his effort. I mean... As you said, he's a great athlete. He seems to be everywhere. He doesn't give up. And the fans love him for that. The only thing I'll criticise him for is his end product. You know, he gets into some fabulous positions and, you know, sometimes he overthinks things and or he's got a slight lack of ability where he'll just make a rash decision and give the ball away when there's a, when there's a simpler pass or, or a slightly something more difficult to do. He just can't complete the pass. Um, he flatters, he flatters to deceive sometimes, um, but I would imagine if he plays out on the right, he'll be asked to join in and join in 
filter back to cover the fullback positions when um, when Bristol City are out of position, and then to support the attack when Bristol City have got possession because um, he's the one as we as we just mentioned, along with um, Calum O'Dowder, who can do it because they've got good good engines, they can get around the pitch, and they've got enough decent pace. But in terms of goal scoring potential, Vyman, you know, he's if he gets into double figures, he's had a good season, and yeah. has, and Callum, you know, he's got he's had a few assists, but I don't think he's ever got more than five in a season. So there's no goals there. I mean, look, the enigma now, the enigma that is Casey Palmer. I mean, you know, four million quid, yeah, where, you know. What, what what is he? How do you see? Being nice. <laughs> oh gosh, I, I've got to take a big deep breath now because uh, I um I know Bristol City fans really like him, um, or some really like him. For me as a player, he would drive me absolutely nuts. I don't I don't play on a Saturday to run around and get the ball to someone to give the ball away and not track track runners. For other players to track, he's not a team player. He, he's he looks like a he looks like an under twenty threes player who's just come out of Chelsea, which he exactly is. He, he's played at a Chelsea. He's played at a, a Premier Division team that has won everything at that level, and because they've got such talented individuals in that team, he's never he's never learned to defend. He never knows when to track back. He switches up in valuable areas. Defensively, he's a nightmare. Um, and, you know, someone who I respect greatly, Tony Mowbray, had him up at Blackburn and yeah. said, exactly, said exactly those words. I mean, I know, I know Mogger from uh, days up at Celtic and he knows a player. You know, you, you know he, he knows how to work under a small budget and he would have taken him had he been able to defend. And for me, Casey Palmer, unless he's an absolute world beater going forward, I wouldn't have him in my team because he, he, take, he detracts away from too many other players and all the roles that they have to fill to make him slot into a football stuff, a football team. And it is a team game. And for me, he just doesn't do enough. You know, he's, yeah. you know, he's, he's, got, he's got some brilliance in those feet, but it's just not enough. He's not, he's, not, he's not even as good as Lee Tomlin. He's not as good as Jet, you know? No, 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 no. I go agree. Well, he's one, he's one this, of this is where just, I... He, you he probably haven't, ran. unless you saw the Brentford game, and you probably know this guy by reputation, but my... I'll call it my uh, my wild card in the middle is this lad Alex Scott, who's seventeen. He's eighteen in. He's come through the academy. We signed him from Guernsey, right? He's got a touch of the Jack Grealish about him, and I think somebody told me even Villa fans are saying, "Who is this lad?" Right? Does it work that if you're good enough, you're old enough? Because he came on the second half performance, he made a difference. Yeah, and he's in my team for Saturday playing because Brian Tins wasn't a winger per se, but he played on a, a wide left role. And you know, the years he used to ping the ball across for what's his name, Scotty Murray, to run onto. Yeah, but yeah, he's no, no. got that creativity in there. Well, I think this young lad has got everything. I mean, I've only seen him very briefly. If I watch him, I get excited. I mean, I did, he's got, you know, he can do both. He's, 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 a, he's a proper footballer. For an 18, 19-year-old kid, he is unbelievable. I mean, yeah. he, I know he only had a few little glimpses of, of games towards the end of last year, but I sat there mesmerised by him. 
I, yeah. I, I, I was shocked. I was shocked how good he was. And uh, you know, if you if you're if you're coming and watch Crystal City play for the next sort of month or so, and you want some entertainment, that is the kid you want to be watching. I mean, I don't want to build up too many expectations because it's the worst thing you can do for a young kid. And to feel that weight and pressure, we've heard so many people struggling with anxiety, you know, and performance related just recently. Um, but this kid can play. I mean, he is a proper player. And if we can keep him for a couple of seasons, you know, let's not talk about the Masengos of this world who are, no. who are also young lads. Wouldn't that be nice to keep the two of them and, and, and see Masengo, you know, progress as a defensive midfielder and have Scott alongside him? Yeah. Probably got, you probably then got two lads moving forward that you could probably get a team built around them with the Premier Division in mind. It's difficult though, isn't it, to build a side because players, clubs come and knock in as soon as somebody oh, is any good. So, and we, and we all know so that my midfield four, if it was down to me, is um, and it's a four sort of um, is is Vyman playing wide on the right, James and Nash as a holding midfielders, and I'm putting Scott in there not as a conventional winger, but just as a creative force. So maybe it becomes four three three. But Alex Scott, for me, and I put this on another episode of the podcast last week, he has got a start, right? Because he's the only one that I get excited about, you know. And you try and think back over the years, breakthrough players that have come in that you get excited about, you know. And there's only Jerry Gow, Rob Newman, Andy Cole was only 20 when he came. We signed him for Arsenal. But, and, and I don't include Jackie because he had a career, Jackanowski, because he had a career before he came, but I think Scott's in there. Right, you said right at the beginning of this chat where the goal's going to come from. Um, Jonathan Pierce sent me a text uh, yesterday because we we're trying to get Jonathan on, but he's busy with the Olympics. He's saying where the goal's going to come from. And, you know, we've got Chris Martin, we've got Naki, and then we've got Antoine, and then we've got Louis Britton. Again, so we've got, and then you throw in the youngsters like uh, Pearson, Conway, and Mickey's son, right? But there ain't no 20 goal a season striker there. And my team for Saturday had Wells and Martin playing up front as a, as a two, yeah? Because I thought Martin's looked a little bit leaden footed in the preseason stuff that I've seen on the TV and in the first, in the first half. That's where the problem is, isn't it? Uh, Chris, up front. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I mean, I, I, I must admit, I like Chris Martin. I liked him when he was at Derby. Um, he, he's obviously a Scottish international, or was, um, you know, but that was, you know, a few moons ago now. You know, we're talking, he was probably at the top of his game probably four to six years ago when he was at Derby. You know, he was, you know, in a very good Derby team. Yeah. He's a lovely, he, he, he's got great vision. He's got a lovely touch. Um, when he started the season last year um, with us, I thought, wow, this, this guy can play. We, we, we saw the back of um, Pham um, for a few, with Dijou for a couple of games. And all of a sudden, he was managing to link up attack and defence. He, was, he, was, he had midfield runners going either side of him. He had vision to play people in. Then all of a sudden, he, he kind of fell off his game a little bit. He, he, and then he suffered an injury and we didn't see him for the rest of the season. So, yeah. Now he's a year older. Um, if he's as good, I hope it'd be nice to think that he's worked really hard on his his, his fitness. Um, I heard he's a, a consummate pro. I mean, a very good pro. A really, you know, 
you know, very experienced, knows what his body needs. He works very hard, um, a very nice man by all accounts as well. I know people that know him personally. Um, uh, hopefully, he's got enough um, determination, uh, enough uh, desire, really, to, to carry on doing it for Bristol City, because I, I think he can still give us something, but he won't give us that 20 goals that we're looking for. And as for Naki, well, Naki, you were signed to give us those 20 goals, so you've got to step up to the mark. You're being paid massive money. You've been signed on a, on a, a large transfer fee. You've been a bit of a disappointment, but you've got loads of ability but um, you say you say Nack is a bit of a disappointment, but he was played out, played out, played out wide. Yeah. You know, you've been playing Nacky Wells wide and Vyman wide, where both of them they're runners down the middle, aren't they? Really, I speak yeah, I not as I speak as a fan. You know, they they can. You, I can remember this is going back absolutely years, but Fulham in the late sixties, early seventies, they had. Steve Earl and somebody else, Steve Earl and Viv Busby, I think it was. It was a strike partnership. They weren't a big man, but God, they were quick and they could run. And you could have, you know, you could have Vyman and Wells in the middle and then not leave it and then bring in, I've not included O'Dowd in the side, but you could bring in O'Dowd as well to put in the crossing. Better still if you still have Nicholas Eliasson, but then that's what Chris Martin should be on the head of Eliasson crosses. He isn't here anymore. But yeah, yeah, no. It's where where does Semenyo fit in in all this when he's fit? Well, uh, again, he's a, he's another young lad who's coming through. I mean, he he, he looks he looks a world beater at times. He, he drifts past people. He's got good strength. He just needs to um, he needs to get his head up and and have a fight, have an end product. For me, he, he seems to get himself in some great positions. It's lovely that he got himself. Um, onto the score sheet finally, because that seemed to be a bit of a, an albatross around his neck. He seemed to be struggling to get his first goal, but hopefully that's now over and done with. Um, it was kind of his breakthrough season last year at Gate, wasn't it? With all the injuries and all the chaos yeah. that was going around him, he, he seemed to do pretty well. I think he got Young Player of the Year, which was great. Um, I've heard he hasn't played many preseason games, which is a little bit of a concern. Um, is whether there's been an injury issue, whether it's been a straightforward, I've got a few blisters or, you know, this time of year, players are picking up little niggles that they think, do you know what, they might pass in 10 days. So they've taken them out the window a little bit. Um, but he's a very dangerous player. Where would you play him? Would you play him up front, front off, off Chris Martin? Or would you play him wide on the left instead of Callum Dowder, for example, or play him on the right instead of Vyman? Um, he's an exciting player. And if he gets his act together, he could be a world beater as well. He could go on and play a lot higher standard. But yeah. for me, he just needs to concentrate on his final pass, you know, that end product. There's no point dribbling past two players and then kicking the ball in the stand. <laughs> and, and for me, there was too many times he did that this year. You know, he, he, he's my little out-of-control speedboat. He's, he's just flying all over the place. Well, he's a bigger he's version of Junior Bent, isn't he, when you describe him like that? <laughs> Like oh, a, he, he had the power exactly. that Junior Ben didn't have, but as you say, he's not a crosser, is he? No, he's not. And you know, and you wonder, you wonder one day whether they just get him off the training ground, hour after hour, just clipping balls in, just clipping balls in, just just to fill that ball into the box for Chris Martin, just to whether again, you don't know whether he does that every day anyway, and it's just a confidence thing. It just doesn't seem to be coming off on a Saturday. But he's a young lad. I, I think he's he's one, maybe not to start on Saturday, 
but certainly one to come on and excite the fans yeah. um, as an impact player. As yeah, the, no, as he's the got game. the physicality to do that. Talking about physicality, he scored the consolation goal in the final home game or the final game of last season. Louis Britton. I mean, he's a he's a unit, isn't he? Yes, and you know, do you if if you said Louis Britton, I think he's been uh, nursing an injury, although he did play for the under twenty threes on Friday. But if you've got a young player like a Louis Britton that has got that physicality, do you start him and then bring on Chris Martin? When or do you start your experience one and then bring on the youngster? You know that that could apply to a number of positions with us. You know, do you say right to your experienced guy, go out who might not have the legs, go out and play hard for seventy minutes and bring the youngster on? But then you might be chasing the game, you might be losing. Or do you say to your youngster, right, go out, give us an hour of even more speed, and then you bring on your Chris Martin for the last 25 minutes, you know, which if you're 1-0 down, we're chasing the game a bit, they bring a bit of guile. What, which way would you do that? And how do you rate Louis Britton as a I, as a I, I think, I think you, you have to start with a foundation. You have to start with your experience, experience player, especially right. first game of the season. You, you don't want to lose your first game. You know, it, it, it's like a, it is a long-term project the whole season is a long so you yeah. want to set your stall out you go with your experienced players say to Chris Martin I, I played in Scotland where the manager couldn't decide between two centre forwards which one was his best and he and he literally said to them one day and I was I was in the dressing room when he said it and there was no one else and they didn't realise I was in there he said you're going to get 45 minutes each I want you to start the game run until you drop and then it's your turn and next week we're going to do the same and which one, whichever one of that, that the two of you does the best, you're gonna you're gonna have the gonna have the shirt for the rest of the season. So I mean that, that that's a, an issue where the manager still doesn't know his own mind. But with Lewis Britton, for me, he's a little bit inexperienced. A great story. You've heard some lovely stories throughout the whole Olympics about people, you know, starting with illnesses and going through you know terrible times to get their gold medals. With Lewis, he's a local lad. He's gone and played non-league football. He's been plucked from obscurity. And hopefully he, he turns into a, a, a seasoned professional after a few seasons at Ashton Gate and he goes on and does very well. I, I, I've got to be honest with you, I don't know a lot about him. I know probably, I know his family are involved in local football. Um, um, and I just hope that he's got, um, he certainly seems to have the desire to be very good. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what, so, well, I would imagine he'll be a sub come Saturday. I don't expect him to start. And I think it's Chris Martin's shirt from day one. Oh, God, yeah. No, I don't even think... I don't think Louis will be in the matchday squad on Saturday because there's too many other too many other players there. OK, so, Chris, that's been great going through the team and what have you. I said, I've got to go back to your original comment that there's lots of, there's lots of players, even though we've had this big clear-out, but there's not an 11 that you think, say, well, I really wish he was in there. Yeah, because we've got the variability. I mean, the first five games, it's like a mini-season before the first international break. It goes Blackpool home, Borough away, Reading away, Swansea home, Cardiff away. Five games, 15 points, right? Well, that opening hard. day win, that opening day win has got to be, a, is, a, is a must win, isn't it? To set the standard, yeah? Well, if you, if you look at those clubs that we, or those teams that we've got to play after this first game, we're looking at some of the best teams in the league based on last year's performances. Yeah. You know, that we, if we don't win on Saturday, by the end of August, we could be bottom of the league. 
Yeah. Oh, we could be in the relegation. We could be in the relegation fight. So three points on Saturday is a must because this, you know, on paper, this seems like our, our best opportunity of picking up three points. Um, and, and as I said at the start, Blackpool would come full of full of confidence having won the playoff final at Wembley. They've got nothing to fear. They're going to come at Bristol City and enjoy every moment of it. Um, I just hope the lad that we were so interested up front for Blackpool doesn't play too well against us because his name's Yates, isn't it? That's right. You know, he, was the one, he was the one that we were showing lots of interest in and obviously we couldn't afford him. So um, that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Um, and hopefully he doesn't have a good day. But um, I just... I just think looking at that fixture list, those first those first fixtures in in August, there's some tough games. I mean, Swansea, two two derby matches, two seven side derby matches, and a, and a match away against the Neil Warnock team. Yeah, which we never do well against. I mean, he, he loves it. I love you know, I, I, he loves putting out putting us in our place, doesn't he? Neil Warnock, he's uh, he's our, like our nemesis. Um, yeah. Saying that, we have won the last two away games at Borough. Which, bearing in mind, we only won about twice in the previous hundred years. That's not a bad record, I think. <laughs> no, and, and Reading as well. I mean, Reading, I thought were awful at the start of last year, and then they came through strong. So, um, listen, there's no easy game in the championship. We all know that. Any every team, every team can beat every other team. Yeah. I mean, it's um, strange that if you look at the opening five, right, and say Blackpool is uh, what Coventry were. So that was three points. Yeah. Three points at Middlesbrough, three points at Swansea, and three points at Cardiff. Although we had a crap season, if you look at it match to match, he actually did well in those. I think if we emerged with anything more than five points in the first five games, looking at how they are, that would be successful. Um, to finish, I mean, do you think there's going to be any surprise transfers? I mean, the window's open for another four weeks, but... Callas and uh, Naj didn't do themselves any harm with their displays in the Euros. Masengo has been the odd ripple of interest. We've got to sell before we can buy. And with Ben White going to uh, uh, Arsenal from Brighton, yeah, you know, Callas resuming his partnership and we'd at least get our money back, even in a depressed market, if, if he was to, to go there. That would free up cash. Do you think... I don't think we'll get anything before the weekend, but do you think there'll be movement before the end of the month? I think there's a possibility. I think clubs, you know, will watch their, their teams perform over the next few weeks and it becomes more apparent that, you know, where you have weaknesses or where, where you're overloaded for players. I think Bristol City are probably overloaded in defence and in centre and midfield. So it wouldn't surprise me if one of the midfielders goes. Um, it's quite ironic we've got rid of or we've allowed Liam Walsh to leave, um, whether that was on his own uh, own own doing or not. Um, and he's probably the only midfielder player, which is different from the six we've ended up keeping. You know, we, we the six that we currently have are all very similar. So um, I think we might he might try to offload a midfielder and maybe uh, a defender because we've got plenty of cover there. But um, I think what we really need is a nice, exciting winger or a, a forward. Uh, you know. Just getting a 20 goals centre forward, unless you give him the service required, um, he's not going to score 20 goals. Um, so maybe a, a flying winger wouldn't be wouldn't go amiss, or a, or a, a flying fullback who, who's happy to get forward and get deep crosses in. Um, 
You know, we'd all like to see a, a Joe yeah. Bryan. Not, not, not one who's in his comfort zone at the moment. <laughs> to hark back to what you said. But you're right. Yeah. Look, because he's the one. You know, he's he's the one that if he bonds on a bit, yeah, let's see him. Let's see him put the he ball gives, in. He gives us something. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm forever the opt optimist. But yeah. the, the, so, off, so often last year, I, I would be driving to Ashton Gate and, you know, I, I, I heard you say you haven't been to Ashton Gate for 500 days or something. But I, I've been fortunate. I've been watching most of the games or some of the games at the ground covering it for Bristol Radio. And I feel very privileged that I've, I've done that during the pandemic. But there were some days when I was covering the games, my heart would miss a beat because I was almost saying the same thing over and over again because it was so painful watching these games. I mean, I didn't know. I mean, poor Remy Martin, you know, he's the, he's the Bristol City goalkeeper that Robins TV brought in to, to help them do the commentary. The poor soul, he was, you know, he, he's being paid by the club and he can't be honest about what he's watching each week. <laughs> Yeah. And by the end, and by the end of it, he was having to. He was almost being forced to be honest, and he, you could see he was fighting it. At least with me and Gary Hours, we're on Bristol Radio, and we can say we're ex-players, and we can say whatever we want because the club yeah. doesn't pay us any wages. It, but it was so hard to be positive in any way yeah. because the, no, last season the, the performances we were watching were absolutely dire. Yeah. I mean, there was games I wanted. There was one game when the when the commentators, it was uh, I think it was uh, Ed Hadwin, and I love Ed. He's great, but he looked at me for a comment, and I I kind of did that sign. You know, <laughs> don't come to me anymore. I was I was hiding beneath my seat. It was the worst football I'd seen in years, and it was it was so bloody painful. So listen, we can't have another season like that. We can't have fifteen new players. <laughs> Now, there is no way this can possibly happen. So, uh, you know, uh, let's, 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 come Saturday, it'd be lovely to get three points, a new season underway, and um, yeah. everyone's got... Their As we all know, we're City, so I hope it kills. Chris, it's been uh, great having a chat. Poignant words on Terry. Candid yeah. views. Candid views on the football club, which is really, really uh, great to hear. I think it... Uh, you know, it, it, it's, um, you know, you're, well, you're quite a few years younger than me, but you, you've been around long enough that it's the hope that kills with uh, City. Oh, it and, is the hope um, that kills. This, you know, it is the hope been, that kills. We, it's been great it's having a chat been... and hopefully, hopefully, Chris, we could do it again sometime. That'd be really good. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.